hey, that flag right there, I know when we sing the Star Spangled Banner or God Bless America or break out that flag, I realize there are folks who don't want to honor it. I get that. And they have the freedom to do that because that flag would fly at Bunker Hill and it would fly at Gettysburg. And it was leaned upright on the island of Iwo Jima. And it was held upright in the rubble of 9-11. And gallant men and women who are heroes to this country fought that some fool could kneel while we were singing the national anthem and paying honor to that flag. Now, don't get me wrong. They've got every right to, all right? But not if you receive a check from Sugar Hill Church. Because I promise you, I believe God does want to bless America. The question will be, are we living blessedly? And I believe that's the question for most of us. I mean, I, I still get teared up when somebody belts out the Star Spangled Banner, don't you? I mean, I still get excited when, when I hear the chant of USA, USA. I mean, I get, all, I get all excited over that. But I get a whole lot more excited when I see people that decide to make America great again in their own home and in their own school and on their own community and couldn't give a hoot what happens in Washington because you're going to do it in your house. And so I guess what I'd say today is I'd like for us to talk about this pioneer life. It, it was just a couple of weeks, Jenny and the girls and I were up in New England looking around, and um, everywhere you turn in Boston, there's a place that is memorializing what happened when we gained our independence from, from England. And everywhere you look, and, and even in the place we'd go and come from, what we would find is there's this place called Plymouth where they've got a cage around that rock, and it, it symbolizes, and, it, and it's supposed to be the rock that you off-boarded all of those pioneers that came from another country. And as they came from another country, they came with the certainty in the founding fathers that this country would indeed be a country based on the faith that Jesus alone and in trusting God, our future could be different than any country on the planet. And even though she's got her warts now, I still love America. I still love America. I think there are guys out there like, uh, there are guys out there like Dr. Gresham over there that uh, y'all may know him as a big shot in the school system. What I know him as is a guy that's, that's a hero of mine right there. Because that, that guy put stuff on the line that mattered, man. And I look at that and I think, I'm so grateful there are men and women like that that say to this church, we're, we're going to buy into the pioneering spirit of following Christ. Today we're going to talk a little bit out of the Old Testament, all the way back to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. We're going to talk about the similarities of America's journey and the similarities that go along with it with Abram's journey. Now, there's a guy there in the Old Testament in Genesis, and his name is Abram, right? And uh, he is married to Sarah, and Sarah must be a pretty good-looking gal because later in life he tried to hide her from folks who might want her. But God comes and shows up to Abram and says, I want you to leave, and when you get going, I'm not going to tell you where it is yet, but I'll tell you at some point. Now, 
get a little, get a little back work from all of this, you recognize that in this time that where you were born, you never, ever left more than about a three-mile circus. And that three-mile circle there, that, that would be on the outskirts of what you do in your life because all known knowledge at that time functioned within three miles of where you lived. All you truly knew was what w- was right there. So let's just assume that you were, uh, you were born over at City Hall, right? You wouldn't know much more from City Hall. By the time you got to Starbucks at Moore Road, you're kind of out of the loop. All known knowledge from that point on, you're in trouble. Right? You might make it to Cheeky, but that's about it. Right? So everything you know is just in that world. So Abram is minding his own business, and the voice of God comes and says, Abram, I want you to leave where you're at, leave your home, and I want you to leave. Now, it's not just the fact that all known knowledge was found in that three-mile circle, but what was found was comfort. There was the ability to know who were your enemies. There was the ability to know all your family. Because you lived with your parents, and your parents lived with you, and your parents lived with their great-grandparents, and, and that everything happened within the family. And so when all of this is happening, God comes to Abram and says, I want you to become the original pioneer and leave the comfort of what is home, and I want you to go, but I'm not going to tell you where. Do you have the willingness, Abram, to go? Now, I grew up loving the concept of a pioneer. I grew up loving Daniel Boone. I mean, if you're old enough to remember watching Fess Parker be Daniel Boone, raise your hand. Come on, let me see it. Man, we got a lot of old people around here. And, but I want y'all to think about this. Fess Parker playing Daniel Boone was the first movie star that wore yoga pants. Do you really think those folks were wearing polyester back in those days? I don't think so. But he had those britches on, and they never got weirded out. Did you notice that? And he put, put those weird britches into his, in his boots. And I didn't know it at the time, but I look back now, and I'm thinking, Fess Parker. <laughs> but anyway, I loved it because he always went further. Like, if it was right around the fort, Daniel would always get his gun, you know, and he got that big old knife. He put the coonskin hat on, make sure his yoga pants were right, and he headed out of the fort. And he'd leave the fort, and he'd go further than he was supposed to be. And when he got further than he was supposed to do, what happened? He got in a fight. Every week, Daniel Boone got in a fight, and he'd win the fight. Now, I got to tell you, a dude that can win the fight with, like, eight Native American Indians, he can wear yoga pants if he wants to right? But every week he'd go a little further. And I believe this is similar to what God's asking Abram to do. I want you to pick up and I want you to be a pioneer, Abram, and I want you to go further. I want you to go beyond all known knowledge. I want you to move beyond that chasm. And as he does, I believe what happens is that we, like Abram, America, like Abram, I believe God is saying, I'm calling you out to be separate. I'm asking you to go separate yourself from the norm. Now, if you've been around Sugar Hill Church very long, you've heard some version of this next statement. I would love for our church to be filled with men and women and students who would love God with all their heart, their mind, and their soul, and not be a weirdo. I would love for us to have a church full of men and women and students that have a passionate love for Jesus and be normal. 
You see, here's the challenge, I believe, when we, when we take on the pioneer spirit, that we find ourselves a little further than what is comfortable. We find ourselves a little further from what is the norm. We find ourselves on the outskirts and the edge where it's really challenging. And I believe God is saying to Abram, and I believe he says to us, his church, and he says, I need you to get out further and further and further. And when you find yourself uncomfortable, know this, that you're prob- probably just arriving where I'm going to use you to do something great. And Abram is like, well, God, I'll do it. Let's go. And over in Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now that word kindred, when you see that there, it's really a powerful word. Kindred is this. It has three meanings. You ready? It's family. And, uh, and I'm not talking about the nuclear family. I'm talking about the whole deal. Like you would be living with grandparents and maybe great-grandparents and aunt, aunts and uncles and everything. I mean, you, the whole deal. But it's, that's one meaning. The second meaning of kindred is this, that you're sharing not just everybody's present, but you're sharing in everything you have. There's not a lot of individual identity found in there because you share everything you have. And then the third thing is this, you all worship the same God and you worship the same way. And so you got this kindred word that's dropped in there and it has these three meetings. But if you go over to Leviticus, here's what you read in Leviticus chapter 20. You will be holy to me for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Now, spiritual decisions, I believe with all my heart, cannot be based on location, nationality, tradition, or economic considerations. They are only based on God's call. Now, here's what I want you to see, and please hang in here with me, all right? So God has called Abram, and he's got him pushed out where he doesn't really understand everything. There's not a lot of comfort in where he is headed because he doesn't know where he's going. And in the middle of all this, there's this promise that says, I'm going to call you and I'm going to separate you from the pack. And I think we get freaked out with that concept because I've got great friends who are as lost as a ball in tall grass, don't you? I mean, I got great friends who, who, who never darken the door of a church. And in the middle of all that, God says, then I need you to get far enough out there where there are people like that in your life and you're going to be my representative because the first place, the very first place all of us are called to as followers of Jesus, there's this one thing we're called to above all all else. You ready? Write this one down. This one's worth it, right? We start, we all start being called to the person of Jesus, Jesus the Christ. Every call starts with a call to follow Jesus. And if you're here today and you say, I've never answered that call, I'm not even sure I've ever heard that call, then as the New Testament describes it from a God who cannot lie, then why would you wait to now? Don't linger. The scriptures say don't linger in that decision. You don't know what you have ahead of you. And so I want to encourage you right now. If if right now in your life you'd say, I'm not living a pioneer life, I'm not being called. I don't understand what it is to be called to Jesus. Look right here, and I want to make sure you get it. You ready? That when we call on the name of the Lord Jesus, he hears us, he answers us, and he gives us his gift, eternal life, a wonderful life, 
and the ability to get on our journey as a pioneer. So if that's your desire right now, I'm going to ask you to just say this, this quiet prayer with me right now. I know you're supposed to do this at the end of the service, just right now. All eyes looking up. Nobody's like, you just say it quietly right where you are. You ready? Jesus, I trust you. Would you come in my life and forgive me of my sin? Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me and raising from the dead for me that I might have life and forgiveness and I might be able to be in your heaven because I've trusted you. I want to turn my life around. I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. And my friend, if that's your prayer right now, in the middle or start of a service, I mean right here, if that's the prayer of your life right now, then I want to ask you at the end of the service when we sing a little bit, I'm going to ask you to do something that bold enough to just walk down here and shake my hand. I wouldn't embarrass you and just shake my hand just so I can know that's you. Deal? So Abram's on this journey. And we're on this journey. And we've called to be separate, but I'm not sure we get this whole separate thing. So I believe what God is calling Abram to do is something that is uncomfortable and unusual. What he's calling Abraham to do is leave whatever is known to be easy and step into another world that requires a pioneering spirit that has this desire to trust God in all that we go through. So if you're here today and maybe you're in the middle of a cancer battle, your spouse or your parents are in the middle of a cancer battle, then it could be that God is using you in a way that he never could before and you're in waters that are truly untouched. It could be if you're here today and your kid has gone crazy and you never thought your kid would be that kid. You're on the edge out there in a place you've never been. Take that pioneering spirit along because it's in that, that journey where God says, I've got you and I'll never leave you. If you're here today and your life is just totally broken, everything has fallen apart and you've lost everything you own, you're out in the thick of the pioneering spirit and trust God who can indeed bring you back to the fort. Sometimes I think God has us on this pioneering journey because it's in the middle of the pioneering journey that we recognize that only he can get us out of it. And I can tell you from experience I mean, blending four daughters into a blended marriage, let me just tell you, that's not easy. I mean, there were days I thought our house would implode. I mean, think about this. Six daughters, four of them driving at the same time. Help me, Rhonda. (laughs) We had an open account with a body shop. There are dads sitting here now thinking, oh, dear Lord, look what's ahead of me. It gets worse. We had four in college at one time and had no money. If you're saying, Chuck, you don't understand, I lost everything. I do understand. We lost everything. And all that while, God's got me out in this... in in these woods and I'm looking around and I'm fighting the Indians and I'm fighting the bears and I feel like we're all alone at time and Jenny's all she's fighting them with me over time we had daughters started fighting you know why? 
because God put us on a pioneering path and he never intended it to be easy because if it was easy, I would have claimed credit for how you ought to do it and I'd have sold you a book on one of those little shows on TV. But the fact is, it's still not easy. I mean, it's still not easy. Are you with me? I mean, get fired up. Are you with me? Yeah, because some of you right now are thinking, that's never going to happen to me. Look at your pastor. Yes, it is. This life will beat the crud out of you. But if you're on a pioneering path and you're walking the journey that God has set aside for you, listen to me. He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm on the journey with you. And you say, we've been called to be separate. But listen, we've also been called to be servants. I, I don't get many amens on those. Because, you know, the, the essence of a servant is the person that does what you don't want to do. The essence of a servant is somebody who does what nobody wants to do. The essence of a servant is, is that which wants to serve and, and finds great joy in that service. We've called them in separate. We've been, we've been called to serve. Listen to what the scripture says. And it says this in Genesis 12. This is early in scriptures. It says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great. But see, in our word, the terms great and a great name typically come with position, prosperity, or popularity. I mean, if you watch some of those TV shows that come on between 7 and 8, and they're showing what great people do. You know what I never see on those shows? I never see where somebody stopped and was gracious and kind and servant-hearted and went way beyond the call of duty. You see, servanthood is that time when in your spirit you know that person you see needs you to do something for them, and you're scared to death to figure out, but I'm out here in the wilderness. Who do I trust? And God's saying, I want you to go over and tell that coworker that I'm praying for you. I want you to go over, and I want you to encourage that guy. Why don't y'all just come to church with me Sunday? It's when you say to that lady that lives next door to you, you say, why don't you listen to this podcast? It might be for you. Or you go buy a book for somebody and you hand it to them. It might be a blessing. Or you even might even give them your Bible and you've underlined those things and you've marked them where you say, this is what it's like. I want to encourage you. God will never leave you. What would happen if we decided that's how we're going to serve people? What would be the problem if when we saw our neighbor going through a difficult time, we didn't talk about how difficult it was, we went and did something for them? What if we became a servant-minded place that said everywhere, no matter where it is, all across this part of our county, we are not going to fail because we didn't do things. We want to have a servant spirit. This is what the church has called, been called to be. And by the way, you are the church, which means that's what you've been called to be. When is the last time that people looked at you and said, wow, that was great? I mean, that was great. Listen to what Jesus had to say in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20. It says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It will not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Listen to me, friend. God didn't call Abraham because he was great. God called Abraham to make him great. If you're waiting to come to Christ until you've had this big breakthrough in whatever your addiction is, 
Friend, listen, you're going to be waiting until hell splits wide open and you arrive there. Why wouldn't you say, I want to trust Jesus now, who promised you don't have to get your junk together before you trust him and know you've got a ticket to heaven today? This past week, I sat in my office, had a conversation with an 89-year-old man, Louis Grizzle. Louis is one of the finest men on the planet. I mean, bar none. He's been delivering brownies to people who move into Sugar Hill Church for a lot longer than I've been here. And I've been here seven years. You know, he said... I, I never get tired of this, Chuck, but I'm just gotten where I, I, I just can't do it anymore. And so we figured that out. We got another plan. We'll keep on going. By the way, how many of you have ever had a delivery of brownies to your house? Good night. How many of you ate them? <laughs> Y'all ate, you didn't know who cooked them and you ate them? That's just weird, man, but okay. I'm glad you did. But now I'm sitting there talking to Louie, and you know what the conversation turned to? The conversation turned to talking about heaven. Louis at 89, it's, he, he likes talking about heaven. And he, 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 would, he would say, this is what I believe about heaven. And he said, what do you believe? I said, I, I believe that too. And then we got to talking about fishing. You know, and he said, I know you love to fish. He said, you think we're going to go fishing in heaven? I said, man, I guarantee you we're going to go fishing in heaven. We're going we're gonna to catch something awesome when we go to heaven. He said, what kind of food do you think we're going to eat in heaven? I said, biscuits and gravy. <laughs> he said, yeah, that's going to be good, isn't it? And I said, yeah, man, that's going to be good. And then he looked at me and said, do you think we're going to have pets in heaven? I said, you know, a lot of people would say absolutely no. I'd say I have no idea. But if we're going to have one, I want my dog. Because he's crazy as a loon, man. I'm telling you, I love that dog for some reason. And we just kept on talking. And we started talking about things we had no clue about, like, you know, when we get to heaven, are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? One of these days, i got to do a preaching series on heaven. But you know what I discovered sitting talking to him? Louis has lived the life of a pioneer for almost 70 years. You take away all the teenage stuff, and you just get him to about age 19. For about 70 years, Louis Grizzle's been a pioneer. He drove out to houses where he knew nobody, and tried to tell them they ought to come to Sugar Hill Church and tried to tell them Jesus loves them. And you know what I believe? People like me that have the privilege to serve and be the pastor of this church, we'd have never had that opportunity if it hadn't been for guys like Louis Grizzle that got out on a pioneering spirit and said, yeah, we're separate, we're a little different. But the way we walk is a little different. The way we talk is a little different. The way we act is a little different. What's inside of us is a lot different. And then we went from that to serving people. You know what one of the ultimate servant models is? I look at Louie and I think to myself, you know what he was really excited about? And when you sit in the office with an 80-year-old man, he starts tearing up, talking about people coming to Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, that'll get you all jacked up. I mean, doesn't that just get you all fired up? I mean, seriously, when an 89-year-old man tells you about how he stood on the doorstep of a young couple a week ago and said, listen, do you know if you're to die, you go to heaven? And those people must have looked at him like he had 89 heads. And before he's done, on the, on the stoop of that little house, he, he led that prayer. Jesus, will you come into my life? Forgive me. I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you. Thank you for dying for me, raising from the dead for me, and giving me heaven. I want to live for you. And 
80 and 70 years. That's a pioneering spirit that understood what it was to separate and what it was to serve. But listen, the final one was this. I believe when we answer the call, we're secure. I believe we're absolutely, completely secure. I mean, let me tee that up. When I tee that up just a little bit, I think about Paul's writing to the Ephesians in chapter 3. Here's what he says. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. And you say, well, where's the security come? Listen to this. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. I bless those who bless you, and him who curses you, I will curse. God wants to bless you, but he's waiting for you to live blessedly. I think a lot of times we sing, God bless America, and that was beautiful. I mean, they killed it. But when we ask God to bless America, let's stop worrying about whether America is honoring, honoring a flag. Let's make sure we're honoring a God. Let's ensure that what, what, what we stand for in your home, on your ball team, in your church, that this is about us standing firm in the security that God has got us. God will never leave us. God is indeed saying this. You know, one of the things that absolutely fascinates me about, about heaven is what will happen when y'all bury me. And let, let me just stop and say, I, I'm, I'm probably up for cremation, babe. I'll save you all that money, all right? I'm good with all that. But you know what I really want? I, I want a headstone out there where my mom and dad's are across the street. You know what I want it to say? I want my kids, I want all six daughters to say this, my dad is a friend of God. I want them not, not hey, Chuck, was, he's, a, he's fun. We did a lot of fun stuff. We traveled a lot. We had some great memories. You know what I want? I want to see, I want to know. Hey, Chuck was a friend of God. Some of y'all wonder what hey, Chuck is about. I'll tell you that in a whole other story, but it's weird. It has everything to do with semantics. Well, I'll tell you. So, Jenny and I went out on our first date, right? Like, she had been divorced, and my wife had died. And a year or two later, she and I, we go out on a first date, right? And it's really first honest goodness date. And we went to see a Hawks game, right? I'm a real romantic like that. And, um, and they put the kiss cam on us. First date. I know what you're thinking. Surely, I went in for the kill shot. And look at her. From that moment on, she was thinking, I got the love of my dreams. No amen on that one, babe? Okay. I'll pay for that later. And then, so she had to farm out girls for us to be able to have a date. And, you know, she picks up Samantha and Abby. And Samantha says, what did you do last night? We went to the game. Who would you go to the game with? A friend. Who would you sit next to? A friend. Is it a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Because Sam was pretty young at this time. And, and she said, boyfriend. I said, what's her name? What is his name? And, and Jen said his name is Chuck. Samantha had never heard the term Chuck before, so her question was, what is a Chuck? <laughs> Henceforth, I'm known all, all around from folks. I show up at churches to preach somewhere, and it's just a Chuck. You know, and so it's stuck. So if you really want to be my friend, just call me a Chuck, right? That's what everybody else. And I, I'm fine if you drop the pastor on that. It's just a Chuck's good, right? So are you with me on that? Can you help me on that? All right, if you... Get all credit to Sam over there. All right, way to go, girl. All right, that had nothing to do with my notes. Let me get back. Abram and Sarah left as God called them. 
had a battle with Pharaoh, had a battle with four kings. He overcome it all. And yet he went into Egypt, and Sarah, Sarah was, she must have been smoking hot. And because he said, listen, here's what we're going to do. They're going to kill me so they can have you, so let's pretend you're my sister. And so they started lying. And then it always caught up with them, and it did. And so inevitably, God does his work in Abraham where he's called him, and he reminds me, you're to be separate. You're, don't act like the world. You're different. And then he calls it to be a servant. I keep that mind in servanthood. Servants don't lie. Servants, servants tell the truth. Servants trust God. And then he gets all up in his grill and says, and you can be secure. I'm with you always. Well, eventually they don't have children and they want to have children desperately. And Abraham's getting pretty old. And so, and so he births a child with his wife's maid. Now, let me just stop and say, am I the only one that can see where that can get funky? Yeah. So things get a little tense. And then at the age of 100, they have a baby. All right? And then a few years later, God says to Abraham, I want you to take that son, and I want you to take him up on the mountain, and I want you to strap him down like an animal, and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. And at that moment, don't you know, Abraham is thinking, what happened to being called what happened to follow you? What happened to you're always with me? Because this doesn't look like you're with me, God, but I'll follow you. I'll do what you say. And so he takes his son, he straps him down, he gets ready to, to take the knife and plunge it into his son to have that sacrifice. And all of a sudden, God provides the sacrifice. And God sees Abraham once again out in that wild life, out in that area where pioneers live, come back and trust God because he knew he was secure with God and God alone. And listen what Jesus promises me and you. This is so rich. Matthew 28, 20. I will be with you always. All the junk that Abraham went through, everything you've experienced in, in this land of the free and home of the brave, out there with that pioneering spirit, God says, but I'm always going to be with you. You're my child. I'm going to push you to the furthest I can. And I'm going to use you in such a great way because I've asked you to be separate from this world. Be different from everybody. Don't leave a wake of dead bodies in your path. Leave a wake of the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to be separate. But we're going to be servants. And when we're servants, we're going to be secure. Because I'm not going to leave you. And I can trust that you're doing what I've called you to do. And I look at this and I think of myself, this one big thought that as all that happens, what are we going to do with that? Because see, the, the thing is, Abraham could have spent his life doing that. Abraham could have spent his life look, looking at what could have and should have and ought have been, but he was able to put blinders on and look toward the, the future. Listen, friend, you will never experience all that God has for you in the future until you stop turning backwards. And the only way to live this life that is separate by God, to serve in the name of Jesus, to, re re to receive the security of God's Holy Spirit, the only way that happens is we step out as a pioneer and trust God that wherever he's placed us, he's going to use us, he's going to bless you, he's going to hold you, he's going to keep you. When are we going to choose that the life of the pioneer is what God has called us to? I heard a message about a pioneering spirit from Brian Houston, who's the pastor of Hillsong in Australia. Now, when he preaches a sermon, with that, with, with that vernacular, man, he just sounds brilliant. 
I mean, truly, like I could listen to that dude talk for an hour, man. And, but when I hear that in my own life, I think I want to be a pioneer. Do you know what God called Abraham? God himself called Abraham my friend. Man, what a way to go out in a pioneer life, to trust that God is my friend. That's what I long for you to have. That's the church we long to be. Let's be a pioneer and change the world. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, today we trust you with all we are, all we have, and all you're about to give us. God, we recognize apart from you, there's nothing we truly offer this world. But what we know is that, like Mr. Louis Grizzle, you've called us to get out in the pioneering lane and serve you, to serve your church, and to serve the community you've called the church to love. God, for folks that earlier in this service said yes, God, would you speak into their heart, give them the courage to stop by meet and greet, and let me just shake their hand. For folks that right now said, I, I want to be on a pioneering journey. I want that. Remember that prayer? It was so simple. Jesus, would you forgive me? Come live in my life. Cause me to turn my life from living for me to live for you. To thank you for your dying and your raising from the dead that I might have life. Father, do what only you can do and speak into the hearts and the souls of these men and women down to the, to the bone and the marrow in their soul, that they might hear that you love them, that you've called them first to Jesus and that you've called them to this pioneering spirit to lead the way and trust you as you, they serve others and serve you. God, let us, let us be separate from the world and yet let, God, don't call us to be so weird we can never reach the world. God, calls us to, call us to love you of all our heart and our mind and our soul to the degree that we can't wait to be a pioneer out there to push the edges and push the limits as Abraham did. So give us great strength. Bless these folks, those watching online. Would you pour over everybody listening, watching, sitting in this room and beyond. Would you wash them over with your goodness, your mercy, and your grace? And we are so grateful that you are indeed our Heavenly Father. And we pray all these things in the blessed and wondrous name of Jesus. And all the church said, amen. Come on, let's sing a little something before we go. Who are we going to sing, Zach?